Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is David Kidder, author of New to Big and the Startup Playbook. If you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Build Your Network podcast. Today is another exciting installment of our How to Build Relationships and Raise Capital series, where we're talking to angel investors, venture capitalists, people that have money, people that have relationships. How do you get some of it? And uh, how do you make sure that you make money together? That's kind of what we're talking about here. And I'm super excited to bring on David S. Kidder today. David is an experienced entrepreneur and an angel investor in over 40 different companies. He's currently the co-founder and CEO of Bionic. Bionic installs proprietary solutions designed to unlock new growth and competitiveness for the world's largest enterprises based on the models, methods, talent, and tools of venture capital and entrepreneurship. So if anybody's qualified to talk about this particular topic, it's definitely David, and I'm excited to get into this conversation. But first, really quickly, if you're listening to this right now and you yourself are an angel investor or you're an accredited investor and uh, you're looking for exciting new opportunities to, to put some of your money into, then reach out to me and my team about our current software build, Guestio, all about connecting 
guests to hosts of shows. Uh, think of it kind of like Cameo, but for podcasters where you can reach out, book a really high level quality guest directly on the platform without going through months of reach out and, and layers of gatekeepers and dozens of emails. You can just reach out directly on guestio.com and book those people right now today for just a small fee. Or you can go to our free marketplace and book a ton of free guests as well. So if you're a accredited investor, angel investor, something like that, and you're looking for some opportunities, feel free to reach out to me, Travis at travischapel.com. And we'll jump on a call to see if that might be a good fit. David, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Super stoked to have you on. Very kind of you. Good to see you, Travis. So let's go ahead and dive in, build a little bit of context before we talk kind of tactics, strategy here. And uh, you know, your bio obviously gives people enough reasons to listen to you. But uh, in an effort to even further that foundation, talk to me about let's say 12-year-old, 13-year-old David, where, like, where did you grow up? What was family life like? What were you up to at that point? Like, What was your vision for your life at that point? Oh, I, and back then, I, was, I grew up in upstate New York outside of Albany, a place called Gildeldon. And uh, at 12, I, was, I probably just started my first paper route and started playing lacrosse and well, a couple of years prior to that. And uh, you know, I was a fairly average student learning how to become a good student. And uh, discovering gifted uh, my gifts, and uh, but I grew up with uh, you know siblings, three siblings, and two sisters and a brother, and great, just really great parents. Didn't come from a lot, uh, but, but a lot of love, but not a lot of resources, and had to recognize that you know if you're gonna uh, have a whole life, you're gonna go create it, and so that's where that began. Yeah, so you realized that you had to go create it because of the lack that you had growing up, and again, lack of resources, not yeah. necessarily lack of love or anything, but is that what kind of made you you know? be as hungry or ambitious as you were? You know, it's an interesting question. I think I realized I, when I dropped my oldest sister off at Cornell, I remember thinking, one, I'm not going to get into Cornell. My grades weren't good enough. I got into a grade school called RIT, so they were still decent. But I realized that doors were closing. And so some, some doors that close are simply because of effort or you know, some you know, type of skill like testing and some other doors were open for what I was good at, which was creating. And I realized that I needed to tap into that. And so I have a philosophy. I have three sons that I don't want them to fix themselves. I don't want them to be well-rounded. I don't think you should fix your weaknesses. I think you should find the need in the world you most deeply care about and then find your proprietary gift and focus there. And so you have a, in your lifetime, given enough hours, 10,000, according to Malcolm Gladwell, you'll eventually be one of one. And that's, that was where you find purpose. And every 10 hours of work feels like one hour. And uh, that's the zone I found early. And I've been doing that for 25 years now. How early? It, probably not until I left college. I left college a little early uh, to, start, join a, uh, to start my first company. I, was, uh, I got an opportunity to work at a startup uh, called the Idea Group with Bill Gillette in college that really lit the fire that I did not want to work for anybody else. I didn't work for a big company. And I love technology. It was the dawn of the internet back then. And um, it was just unlimited opportunity. So uh, very, very lucky that, uh, that I was born when I was and, and was you know, graduating at the same time. And ever since then, I've just been trying to get good at becoming a founder and a CEO, which is hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm learning that every day. That's for sure. What about for somebody, David, who's listening to this and they're like, that is exactly what I'm trying to find. But I've tried five different things. I'm 35. And I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know where I'm going. Do you have any advice for anybody on like how to find that path that you were able to find so early on? 
I think, you know, I, if I look back at the four companies I've founded and the four I've invested in, I think where, when it has worked, right, is the best signal, right? Very rarely does it work when you're trying to chase money or chase an opportunity. I think mm. it begins with an interior conversation of what you care most deeply about. And then the question of why you. And when you have the deep care, borderline obsession, with a giftedness, you, you have a credible claim to start something. It's when you're chasing, you know, crypt- cryptocurrency right now, or it was AI, or, you know, it was SaaS or, or MarTech or, you know, and whenever I found myself chasing a technology because I thought it was a signaling to, about me or to me, or there were just unlimited opportunity, ultimately it didn't work. All of the sort of economics of my life have all been built because I cared the most. And I, it turns out I really can't fake that. I think very few people can fake, fake, fake that. Yeah. Do you think that that is directly related to your ability to stick in something? Is that why? I feel like, I feel like people, mostly people underestimate the amount of work, the amount of rejection, the amount of iterations that it takes in order to like make something successful. And I find that there's often a direct correlation between, you know, their quote unquote passion or interest in that, in that subject matter because that's what's going to take them through those time periods where it doesn't seem like they're getting anywhere. It seems like they're spinning their wheels. Do, do you find that that would be the case? Well, there's there's a distinction in my mind between passion and obsession. Passion is how you want to, would love to spend your time. Obsession is, I, this is, I have to solve this. You know, I don't have to become a great guitar player. I don't have to, you know, whatever it is, but I must solve this. I must be blank. I must do blank is a totally different thing. You may not enjoy it a lot of the time because it's going to take you in places uh, where you have to stare down very hard truths. Passions are things where that really don't ask hard questions. You know, the companies in a way are a mirror, a mirror to look at yourself. And very often a, a company is almost always a direct reflection of the founders or founder in some instances. And it's there to teach you. But if it's just there for your pleasure, you won't listen to the hard things it's saying about you, about how it spends its money or its time or its focus or, you know, the, the ego of this. Uh, so uh, I think that you, when you're obsessed, you care more about the outcome than even yourself or what you get because it's to a higher purpose. And I think that that's why it's so critical to get that right. Uh, because it's, it's, you know, growth only lives in discomfort and pain. Passion projects don't. They don't deliver the pain. You need to be sort of what delivers the pain to grow. Got it. Got it. So a, a passion wouldn't, like you wouldn't necessarily have to answer the question of why with a passion, right? It's just like, why? It's just like, well, because I like it, right? Whereas the company might be more like, why? Because we're solving this crazy problem that exists or something. And, and I'm willing to go through any amount of pain to make sure that that happens. Yeah, right. Got it. And, if, and when I mean that, I mean like staring down insolvency, you know, getting to a place and having to build back over a long period of time, having, you know, your team, you know, and yourself have to do really hard reviews of your giftedness, giving up things. Like those are things that you don't want to do, but you must do for the idea, the solution to the need in the world to survive because it needs to transcend you and your challenges. It needs to grow. Is there a tool that you've used to deal with some of that, you know, stress, anxiety, whatever whatever mental health term you want to assign to the ability to stare a huge problem down that you've never faced before and come out on the other end without having pulled all, you know, pulled all your hair out or whatever. Well, I mean, there, there are different types of fears, right? There's the fear of failure, which is more about your own performance and shame and things. I think fear of like losing a company, the feeling of company dying is almost a healthy thing. It's like, 
there's a reason why you're afraid of a bear in the woods. You're going to get out of the woods, right? <laughs> no, but like imagining bears and being afraid of them are very different things, right? And there's a bad, bad fear, bad anxiety, and there's a good fear. Like there's the bear, let's get out of the woods, right? Very different. So I have, you know, been obsessive reader on leadership for, you know, largely my entire career. I'm 47 now, 48 actually. So 28 years, 29 years. I read 20, 30 books at least a year in this area. I don't read a lot of fiction. I've also done really, you know, remarkably important deep work. I've worked with guides. I've used MDAs, all side, and I know myself very, very well. Mm. And I've gone through a, a lot of healing in, in all that. And so I'm not trying to live a life where my work for my company is performance, right? Co- a covering, so to speak, of an old, you know, harm to me or shame to myself. I'm living trying to live through decisions that are truly through abundance and not fear in my life so that I, when I approach Travis, my mindset is through that, not through of, of a, of a transactional fear. It's really about, you know, finding a way to, to bring that mindset to everything I do. And I think that it's really hard eventually to not exhaust yourself or your people in the marketplace. If you are truly a zero sum fear-based leader creator, you'll end up holding less. And more importantly, is the universe can't conspire to help you because it's all about you and you actually celebrate your failure. So I think getting that right, your mindset right, the meditation construct is vital to being, being successful in any regards. Yeah, so really managing your personal self before you manage your business or your employees or anything else in your life. You can't lead others unless you can lead yourself. Period. I mean, the job of a founder is really only three things, right? It's this is according to Fred Wilson, my last investors. It's to create a vision, you gotta be right and on time. Market timing is 80% of all of this. You're predicting a future, you don't want to be dead when it happens. You can be early and dead, you can be late and lose it all. So that three-year window is really critical to get right because it asks why now. And so I can predict that, but I really be good in the year that I'm in on a quarterly basis. The second thing is is talent. Right? Vision, second is talent. I can put the right people in the right seats at the right time. They are Mr. and Mrs. right now in that 18-month window. Right? Maybe two years without the right person, and certainly. So if you hire the wrong person in the wrong order, you know, zero through 20 employees, you kind of can't get it wrong because the time you get them in that seat, they're the wrong person, 90 days later to replace them, it's a year of your life. You're out of your debt, right? And the third is you can never run out of money. It's oxygen. You either raise it or you earn it. And so without those things, you know correctly organizing your mind, you really lead yourself, you can't create an entity, a culture of people to actually organize themselves to solve the need in the world you care so much about. So it's really attracting and planning towards that outcome that is a limited job. You don't need to be in every detail. You just have to get the right things right. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing, amazing segue, I think, into talking a little bit more about relationships because I find the same thing to be exactly the case in building relationships and in networking and People will often be more attracted to, you know, in in a way to people who have control over their own lives or are more confident in themselves or have done more inner work because that that self-assuredness is something that people look for, especially if that person's in a leadership role. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So let's let's talk a little bit about relationship side here. And I'll have a few kind of more tactical questions to ask you. But this is the question I ask every guest that's ever come on the show. We're like almost 600 episodes in at this point. So um, a lot of people have answered this question. I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about it. Who you know or what you know, David, which of those two do you find to be the more valuable asset in life and why? Uh, what you know. And the reason why is that you, you can't have meaningful long-term and last relationships unless you're creating 10 times more value than you take. Got it. So if you don't have, come from a place where you know yourself and your gift is your strength, it's a gift to you, it's a gift to the world, and it's a gift to whatever they deeply care about because it's ultimately it's really about their journey. Everyone spends 99% of the time thinking of themselves. And so the great gift of, of knowing yourself really well in this is what you know, is, is that you realize that no one is thinking about you <laughs> ever, 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 ever. So you can live your life. You can live your whole life in, with complete permission to be yourself, to live your dream, to live your purpose without, you know, you know, trying to get permission from anybody. And so networking, when you conflate that with permission and acceptance, you're giving away a power that someone doesn't even need. So ultimately, they're trying to learn something from you, get, you know, receive something from you. And you have to be in a place where you have something that's deep seated in your heart and your life and your purpose that you can give them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's, it's not a network. A network is held together by, you know, the bid ask of everything, you know, whether it's a marriage or it's a partnership. There's always a transaction, hopefully of good abundance and not fear in relationships. Otherwise, it's, this is Travis, this is just another podcast. It's just another thing, right? So it's like, that's a very light network value. It's a light tie as opposed to a, a strength to each other. So I've been getting this right on your interior life to show up as a whole person with a deep care about the world will teach you, well, what network do I, is valuable to me? 
that yeah. I am with people who have abundance that can give, create value for me because I give so much value to them or an indefinite period of time that they never worry about it. And it becomes yeah. truly deep. And I think that that's something I've, I've been very focused on throughout my career. And I've been very fortunate to build a, just a remarkable network of, of creators that, you know, I'd never share the names, but they're the best in the world. And it's a, it's a gift because I've been focused on that, that in the right path. Sure. So, so let's talk tactics and, and, and some practical advice here then, uh, David. So, so let's imagine there's somebody in the audience who is a founder of a company or maybe they're uh, getting into you know, multifamily real estate syndication and they want to go raise capital for their ideas, whatever it may, it may be. But they're not really starting with an existing network of like they, they can't reach out to their Harvard Business School alumni network and ask for a quick intro. Um, because uh, the research that I've done, the majority of capitals raised directly through warm introductions from people who know people. And so if you don't know any of those people, how do you start building relationships in that world in this like kind of institutional money, institutional investing world? Well, I mean, well, certainly having, I mean, you are even in your own work now, I mean, if you're doing, if you did 600 podcasts, you have 600 relationships in the world, right? That if you could even get a single follow-up email, let's say it's 300 relationships in the world because people are busy, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about, you're accessing, I don't know, tens of thousands of people. If you can't find, you know, opportunity and, you know, with being a whole person in tens of thousands of people, then it's, there's a larger problem, is my guess. So I think that, you know, the things that you do to create value is really what I was saying. You know, in this case, you know, you are building a conversation, right? And a, a, net, a branded network. And you can build on that. You are, you, you know, Travis is in itself is an ecosystem, right, of conversation and learning. What do you do with that content? How are you sharing the content? Is there an insider? Is there an outsider? Is there a way to follow us? Is it built on Slack? Can we solve burning questions together? What happens? What happens to the glue? It's not just the, I found the things to, to glue together, but like how strong is it? What value can I create from it? And so I think those are things to, that you have to really get right. Because like in your context, you have, you know, you, you have gold. And so, you know, ultimately you're going to be able to have a lot of permission where others don't. So this is just one example of, of how to start from very little and create something out. That could be done analog. It could be done digitally. It could be done on a deal by deal basis. I, I recently read a guy who built a huge business from, you know, came from out of bankruptcy to over 250 homes through on the doorstep of a Texas auction house. He just bought deal by deal by deal, one house at a time. Then he started meeting people at the doorstep and started consolidating deals. And five years later, he's got a massive portfolio of wealth in relationship to 10 people with unlimited capital, all because he created value. He gave a lot of value away, but because he was in it, sleeves rolled up and obsessed on a 10x basis. So it's totally possible, but it's how you think. Sure, sure. So, so that kind of that kind of answers the reach out question, right? What about follow up? And this seems to be something that you've really mastered in your career, having been in this industry for you know almost thirty full years at this point, and having built relationships with amazing people. You're new, multiple New York Times bestselling author, and you have a lot a lot of ducks in a row in this space, and you've been able to not just start relationships with people here, but grow and continue to expand um, over the course of of a few decades. So. What do we do once we make a connection? You know, let, let, again, take that example of somebody just starting out. They reach out. Now they have some warm connections to people, but it's not leading to a conversation where they can legitimately ask for an investment into their company. 
how do you make that transition from, you know, connection to, hey, will you give me money? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sort of like a lure, right? You only want to catch specific type of fish, right? You don't want to burn all of your time or everyone else's time trying to find out they're not interested in something. So being out there and stating what you care about in whatever way people can find you is the first step, which is I care about blank, right? I care about flipping auction-based homes in Katy, Texas, yeah. or doing that, you know, in down markets in Las Vegas. I don't know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. The point is, that's a very specific thing and a specific value. And there's probably 10 people in the world that really care about that. Mm. And, and then when you create the value, eventually it'll be a, a big, big company we care about. But the point is, is that, you know, knowing what you care about is the most important thing. And then knowing that you create more value than anybody else in that space is the second thing. And the third thing is, is, is being able to um, ask for something, mm. right? It's amazing what people are willing to do if you just ask them. Asking the universe or God about for something is the very first step because it creates intention. And then intention creates conversation, which is, you know, will, you know, will you do this with me? Would you run this experiment with me? Would you invest? Asking for things begins, you know, energizing outcomes. You know, it's Bloomberg's law of success and all is to ask for the check and shut up. Can I call you? <laughs> Can I get 10 minutes? Can I ask you what your biggest goal is this year? I mean, I mean, my, my, the way I'd follow up with you, Travis, to say is tell me your one thing that you want to accomplish this year. I want to write it down and I want to be thinking about it this year. And if I find a way for you to achieve that, I'm going to call you. I'm not going to call you unless I can create it. Mm. How many times in your entire career has someone ever asked you that? Zero? I bet, I bet Maybe it's zero. one? <laughs> yeah. zero. <laughs> not not so including like, the one that just happened? Yeah, right. So yeah, my point is, zero. it's like, you know, because I'm not, there's nothing in it for me. Other than the fact that if you, if I can find out what you deeply care about, which you're going to do an email after this call, I'd like you to send me the number one thing you want to have done this year, your miracle. And I'll be thinking about it and I'll put up my little list. And then if I can, if I, it hits me because I'm now intentionally thinking about it, I'm it, I, you have my commitment. I will call you. I will make the introduction. I'll open that door. And you yourself will have 10 other opportunities because no one's ever asked that question your entire life. You're going to be thinking like, I can't believe that, that actually happens. Now you're going to intentionally be thinking about how I move. And so when you ask me, I'm going to say, hey, Travis, the next time you're in a conversation with a Fortune 500 leader who wants to transform their company, think of me because that's what I care about deeply. And I guarantee the next two or three years that's going to happen. And if I do that enough, in given enough time, not years, but decades, you will have abundance that your mind can't wrap your head around. Yeah, that uh, this is the exact strategies that I was I was hoping for on, on this chat, David. So so definitely delivering on that. Let let's talk a little bit now, tactically about the like. Let's assume you get on a call, right? So now you've you've reached out and you've added some value. You have some warm connections. You went in for an ask and you said, hey, you know, soft ask of let's hop on a call. Can you just give me some feedback on my deck, on my pitch deck or whatever? What is the best way that you found to actually be able to close somebody into your ideas where they're willing to wire you money for it? Like, what do you need to say during that time together? What are the, uh, you know, I know we can't go crazy into tactics here, but maybe higher level top couple of things that you may not be thinking about that you need to for sure do during that conversation. So having raised literally tens of millions of dollars eventually over the years, I, I can tell you that the complexity around capital raising is very hard. It's a full-time job, first of all. It's, not a, it's a very difficult thing to do well. But 
it's a momentum game, right? That's why there's series seed, ABC rounds. They all do different things. So if you don't know the distinction between what work is done and then seed versus A versus B versus C, it's something you get smart on. So understanding what are the purpose of stages of financing, what has to be done to go from one to the other, what's the relationship and what type of investors invest in those type of rounds. Well, I don't care if this is like you're you know, building a fish farm or building next Google, it doesn't matter, but every one of those, everyone has a stage of investing. So you gotta match the outcome with the type of investor. But more importantly is, is does the investor care about it? Again, 98% of the time I think about you, it's about them. It's about, do they care about this need in the world? I'm trying to solve this. You know, 60% of the reason why an investor invests in a seed or A round is because of the founders. It's not about the idea. It's about the person. It's about, does they, do they lead themselves? Have they organized themselves? Have they, have they been able to attract a lot with nothing? Hustle. Hmm. Like, you know, it's not just, are they grounded in understanding? Do they understand the investor journey? Why, do they understand why a venture capital is successful? What are partner dynamics? What is fund vintages? How do they make money? When do they make money? What, what is the fund strategy? What's the fund vintage? Like, what, where are they, how much the fund has been, has been deployed? Are they raising a fund? Has it been all been exhausted? All these things are, you know, you have to create value for them. How can you possibly create value for them if you don't understand their job, what, mm. what their goal is? And that's yeah. sort of my point, which is if you're just saying, you know, it's all about me and my money, I need money to do this, my purpose, you're, you're, you're scattershotting. So I think it's really important to understand the jobs in, around the table and the outcomes and the goals. What is their goal? Yeah. So like, for example, like, so for example, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Like, let's say you're raising capital of VC who's at the end of their fund vintage. They have, they can only make a couple more shots, but those shots have to be all be huge, you know, absolute returns, safer bets with, you know, inclined type of revenue outcomes. And you're like a Google type play. It's a, it's a one or zero. They may love you, but it's the wrong fund model for what you need. And they're going to fund you the next round, which might take them six to 12 to 18 months to produce. So this is my point, which is if you can't go in there and ask them, do you care about this need and what's the outcome you're driving for your fund? You will ne- you'll be wasting their time and yours because you don't understand their job, where they're on their journey, and they don't know if you will care about the same things in the world. So whoever cares the most wins, that takes two things. A great VC and a great entrepreneur are one plus one equals 10. Two average entrepreneur VCs don't make a great outcome. You have extraordinary mm. understanding of each other's jobs. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. So big takeaway, like overarching high level takeaway would be, how do you know how to create value for somebody if you don't know the things that they value? Yes. And you care about the same things. Yeah. I literally just got on a call with the CEO of a huge company. And I, I asked her at the end, I was like, you know, do we believe the same things? Are we aligned? You know, do we believe we have two gifts that can make it, you know, 1x and 1x and 10x? Like, that's what you're looking for in, in a financing. Not about I have a hot deal and you want to get in. It's about how do we how do we you're getting married. Like how do we yeah, yeah. how do we get married? Much bigger yeah. than that. So many amazing insights here today, David. Um, I, I, I gotta ask you this question, just generic kind of relationship building, networking thing here. Is there a story that you can point back to in your career where maybe you got introduced to somebody or you met somebody at you know some event or whatever? Didn't think much of it at the time, but that relationship ended up coming back into your life in a huge way, whether it was an opportunity or a partnership or, you know, a lump sum of money or, or something that happened through, through, through a connection or relationship that at first you were just kind of like, oh, this is another person to meet. You didn't think anything of it. Well, I mean, I've invested in a couple of companies that have been 
really fantastic returns uh, that I never expected. And more importantly, you know, I, whether I was good advisor shares, it was a direct investment, for the economics aside, they just kept trading value because the person was someone who was a, just an incredible value creation person. That all they wanted to do was create value. And for whatever reason, I, I didn't realize at the time, I believed in them, but I didn't realize how significant they were to me and you know to the world. It was really amazing. Um, you know, honestly, I you know have been doing this for so long. I think it happens on a regular basis. Like yeah. I, one person, I met a woman who's in a C-suite of a big pharmaceutical on a keynote I gave through another friend of mine for 20 years. It's the only time we've ever done something. I've known her for 20 years. She's like, okay, it was the right time, right place, which was amazing. And then I met this. CXO, it's not our title, at this big company. We talked, totally bonded. I nudged realized there's nothing there. And then she was friends with the CEO of another huge company and said, you got to talk to this guy. And out of the blue, I was on the phone with the CEO of one of the huge tech company. Like on a Friday night, he bought the book, he read my last book called New to Big. And we, you know, we talked, you know, for two hours, Sunday, have a glass of wine, and we're going to be in business at the end of this month. All because it's just like it's just like the goodness of it because you're all in for people. Just it had nothing to do with money or what you could do for me. It's just like there for them. That is exactly why this show exists: is is to turn people back onto the idea of just creating relationships for the sake of helping people and creating value in the world, and not for the sake of how you can help me. And what's interesting about that is once you turn your sights toward other people and not yourself, that's when you get the most help is when you make it about other people and when you add more value to other people. And so that, I, I love asking that question because I like hearing those stories of, of those times. And it, it helps, me, helps me convince people who are listening that spending time building relationships is a good use of your time, even if you're not sure where this is going to be going. Like it does not have to lead to business or a transaction right now in order for it to be a valuable use of your time is basically the reason I asked that question. I think there's a great question, a great test, which is it's the it's best man deathbed question. How many wedding parties were you in? And I, I was the best man about six and uh, six and in eight. And I have also been the last person that four, three or four of my friends have seen before they passed of cancer in the last five, six, seven years. And I think that that those tests are, you know, it, it is, uh, Bezos has this statement. He says, you always want to be with people who can get you out of a third world prison, right? Yeah. Because they're in, yeah. they're, they're all in. Right. And if, you're, if you're not all in for that person, you're not going to show up at the end of their life. You're not going to show up the key moments of their life because they're right. not calling. You're only calling them to stay in contact with them. That's transaction. Yeah, yeah. It's one way. And it's because people don't believe. But when it's true, you'll know because those great North Star moments happen. And they don't happen because you intended. It happens because there was a hundred others that you were always there. You were the third world prison, you know, artist in their life. And that's, that doesn't happen in a year. Perfect answer and a perfect way to get this conversation wrapped up. David, I appreciate the time that you spent with us today so far. Let's move into the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Just quick, random questions, quick, random answers. You yep. ready? What profession other than your own do you think that it would just be fun to attempt? Yacht manufacturer, powerboat manufacturer. If you could sit on a park bench with somebody past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? I just lost him, uh, Tony Shea. Yeah, that's a good one. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? 
I have voracious. I, my, the primary content is auto, audio books, but I also, okay. my favorite secret is uh, Quora, the website. I love Quora. Oh, really? Okay, uh, interesting. Yes. Big time. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I have an extremely well-oiled machine. I use an app called Productive and Day One for journaling. Starts with a five-minute journal, ends with a five-minute journal, and about 40 different habits. There's a great book just came out called Own the Day by Aubrey Marcus, who started to own it. Just came out. If you need a playbook, it's right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, Aubrey's. We've had him on the show a little while back, and he's got some amazing stuff on routines. That's for sure. He's incredible. What is your go-to pump-up song? It's probably a Van Halen song for sure. <laughs> and then, what is something? Uh, setting business aside, just generic life here. What's something that you are just not very good at? So many. I mean, basically everything <laughs> except being a founder CEO. Uh, I would say details. I don't. I don't spend a lot of time in weeds. Just in general, I have amazing team around me, but details are just the return on time is low. And as, yeah, and as we get everything wrapped up here, what is the one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? I think my LinkedIn profile, which is David S. Kidder, is probably the best place. But you can also go to davidskidder.com. You also go to my company, onbionic.com, if you want to learn more about my work. But those places basically have everything. And please reach out. Perfect. So davidskidder.com, spelled basically exactly how it sounds, K-I-D-D-E-R, davidskidder.com. Head over there and you can find everything else that, that David is up to, uh, his company, Bionic. Pick up a couple of his books. I know I did very recently, and uh, I'm sure that you will be happy that you did that as well. Reach out, say what's up, tell him you heard about him here on the show. David, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Very grateful. Thank you, Travis. Well done. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.